so I write these sermon series way in advance. Like I'm already done through October uh, with all of my sermon content and put it away. We believe in preparation. And there's times that you adjust it and flex it based on certain things. But um, it was amazing as we saw current events. Obviously, to not know, I don't know how you could not know, but there's very, what I believe to be a modern Holocaust is happening, of course, overseas right now in Iraq and different places. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, there's uh, terrorist groups, uh, the ISIS or ISIS or however you would pronounce it, are driving Christians out of their cities and their homes uh, without any question. Uh, beheadings of children, uh, everything violent that you could think of in its grossest form is taking place even right now. And uh, it's simply because of their faith. It's simply because of who they're aligning themselves with. And so terrible things are taking place right now, again, as we speak and so all that stuff is taking place, and we're here to talk about it and just, you know, kind of laced into something. But I said all that to say this. The way my weeks line up, sometimes, you know, we'll make a shift or make an adjustment on something. But as these events unfolded this week, my sermon this week, as we talk about this series called Simple, um, this week's content was about the fact, our title and our topic is that there is a real enemy. There is a real presence of darkness uh, that isn't just an idea, it's a real thing that exists and still exists and existed in the Bible that we have to be honest about. And so I thought it was interesting that it fell this week, uh, considering all the current events. Uh, and so we'll talk about it. I think it's great timing. I think it's God timing for us as a community, not to just hear a sermon and go, oh, that makes sense why stuff is going on. No, we're going to hear it. And my heart is that we're going to hear it, we're going to understand it, and then we're going to fight. Someone say Amen. Uh, against the powers and principalities of darkness. And I know that gets very like out there and kind of weird and like this principalities and darkness talk and whatever. But if I get up here and say a nine-year-old was stabbed in Kentwood to death, all of you on the inside would go, there's something more behind that. There's some, it wasn't just this kid who had the, no, this idea came from a dark place. Amen. Who would agree? City on a hill, we had a stabbing here two weeks ago or whatever it was. That's not just because kids are playing violent video games. It's because there's powers and principalities and forces at work that are trying to destroy what God is doing, not only in our nation, but across the world. Amen? So when I get up here and say uh, dark forces and wickedness and all these kinds of things, you know, these aren't just like good versus bad sort of ideas or theories. I believe that there's forces and principalities. And when people go like, I don't know, that's a little out there for me. Well, then explain to me how these other things happen. It doesn't just come through like weird ideas or, you know, it's, parents didn't raise them right. I believe that there's influences that go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and before time uh, that are in place and still exist. And so um, as tough as it would be, we want to talk about it today, what, what the enemy looks like, what that means, how we deal with it. And so it was in place to talk about before any of this stuff happened. But I don't want you to hear this stuff and go like, oh, man, we live in such a bad world or we're all under attack. Because really, after we hear this stuff, you need to know that you can leave here knowing you can beat this stuff. Jesus died on the cross and, and, and took the, you know, stormed the gates of hell, took the key. He, we've won. We have the victory. The only way you can live defeated is if you allow it. Somebody say amen. And so we'll talk about it here, but the idea of the series is called Simple. Christianity is the most complex, simple thing ever. It's extremely complex and beautiful and hard to figure out, and we'll never get it. But on the other hand, it's very simple. Uh, we talked about it last week. Jesus came and said, I've come uh, 
to give you a better life, but he also said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Being a follower of Christ is simple. God wants you with him. Jesus, God emptied the bank account. He sent his only son. Why? So he could be in relationship with you because he wants you to get it, right? Someone say amen. And so I'm beginning to think about this. You know, this week we're talking about darkness and the heaviness and, and, uh, and all these things that come against the world. So uh, as I mentioned, we have this nine-year-old uh, who just had a memorial service yesterday, playing on the playground, stabbed, killed. Uh, the kid who stabs him says, I, I, I wanted to die and I wanted to take someone with me. That's not normal talk. There's something to that. Uh, we know what happened here. The uh, 14-year-old involved with the stabbing here, and it's connected to gang violence. What in the world is a 14-year-old in Holland, Michigan, doing involved in gangs at his age? And what is all the, there's darkness in principalities, and there's someone who hates you and is out to destroy every area of our life. Amen? We say, well, I don't live in Detroit, you know, I don't, I don't live in Chicago, I don't live in LA, I don't, you know, I'm in Holland, I'm safe, I don't have to worry about darkness and principality. Have you turned on your news, right? Because it, it matters to all of us. We all have to have an understanding that there's something that is going to come against you and continue to come against you and try to destroy what God wants to establish in you. We heard of the beheadings, uh, again, just graphic in nature, but it's, it's I think it's ridiculousness for us to say, well, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Um, I understand that, you know, there's age ranges and stuff you have to be appropriate with, but, oh, but don't talk about it. Uh, what do you mean don't talk about it? Not only should we talk about it, we should be doing something about it, okay? Uh, so very easily we say and we sing, oh, our brother's in Christ. And there's, there's a, if it was my brother, if it was my sister, we'd be talking about it. I'd be shouting it from the mountaintop, like, how can you help us? Amen. And so it's unfortunate, too, that, you know, we so all this is out there and all this is happening. And again, I won't get into the most grave detail, but you should know. And so it's interesting in our society, all this takes place. But I was noticing yesterday as there's groups of Christians standed, stranded on a mountain, children dying because of food, lack of food and nutrition, all these kinds of things. And I thought it was interesting as I just watched Facebook scroll you would get a headline of something about Iraq or the mountaintop or something that's taken place over there. And then you would get someone complaining about preseason football or someone taking their pictures from the beach. or so, And all that stuff is fine. I'm not saying we all go into just crazy, but I'm just saying it's interesting for us as there are brothers and sisters, how we want to just say, well, that's over there and we're over here, and we've done a good job being safe or doing our own thing, and that doesn't, you know, they're on their, no, we're brothers, and we, there's one church, amen? And so if it matters to them, it matters to us, and so we need to talk about what does it look like to, to come against those darkness in the principalities, and so got a couple things in here that are light and, and hopefully a little bit educational, but I want to end the day by just, we're going to pray, and we're going to stand with them, and we're going we're gonna to do some things politically, uh, I hope that you'll join us in doing some things politically today that are going to help make a difference uh, for our brothers and sisters. And so we'll start with John 10.10, 10, a very famous scripture says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus speaking says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And so wherever there's life, there's godness, there's the things of God, wherever there's death, and wherever there's evil, where there's stealing, where there's killing, where there's destroying, there's the works of what we talked about, darkness and principalities and powers. And so uh, it's been made very clear that the devil or the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. 
He wants no good for your life. He wants no good for your marriage. He wants no good for your family, for your finances, for any of those things. He's going to weasel or make his way into any place that he can, that he can bring that kind of destruction. And we'll talk about how to avoid it here in a minute. But Jesus, the opposite can be said Anytime there is been stealing or killing or destroying, Jesus can come and bring life back and bring it back even more abundantly. Somebody say amen. So that's why we understand and identify with darkness and wicked schemes, because we know that we can bring God to it and he'll restore. Aren't you glad we serve a God of restoration? So if I begin to describe to you a red guy with a pitchfork and horns, an arrowed tail, a cape, you guys would all know that I'm talking about Satan or the devil. And we've commercialized it very well. We've taken it from what's a really sick, twisted, spiritual being, thing, uh, and we've turned it into this cartoon figure. We've, you know, so I could get up here real comically and say, you know, he's got this arrowed tail and this horn and this, and we've made it into this image or this brand of a devil. And the truth is we've actually, uh, we've made it, commercialized. You have like the dirt devil and you have different things that we've literally taken what is this sick and twisted thing and we've made it sort of this symbol. Uh, if I were to describe to you, uh, Satan has many names. Uh, the devil, he's called. He's called Satan, Lucifer, Dark Lord. Uh, the devil is called El Diablo. Uh, the devil is called uh, the CrossFit gym. Um, <laughs> has names. <laughs> He's everywhere. He's in commercials. He's in movies. He's in advertising. We have the dirt devil, Tasmanian devil. We have deviled eggs. Somebody say amen. Give me some of that. I don't like them. Uh, but listen, here's what I want you to get to. Every time the enemy tries to twist something, he's going to do it in a way that's very sort of easy to swallow or to appeal to or to dumb down. And so we take this devil, this very sick thing, this very thing that came into the garden. It was a part of the garden. We also know that it tempted Jesus, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the devil is a real thing. It's not this cute little commercial dirt devil character. Uh, it's a real thing. And Jesus referred to Satan as a person. He never talked to him as a symbol of evil. It was a real thing that he dealt with. Uh, we know he was cast out of heaven, and we know that there's a place called hell that he resides in, and uh, we know there's demonic activity and stuff that goes with sort of uh, how he runs hell. And so the first thing I really want to come against is this idea that the devil or demons or its forces are just an idea or a theory behind evil. Evil is its own thing. That doesn't really exist. It's just a, No, there, there are real things that Jesus fought heaven and hell in scripture uh, over. And so we have to know that that's a real thing that exists. And I know it's hard for us to wrap our mind around this idea that there's a real devil that makes real things, uh, tempts people in ways and, and messes with our nature. Uh, that's a hard thing to understand. Why? Because we've commercialized it so much. It's easier to just say it's a symbol of our temptations or of our thing, but it's a reality. And the thing about it is this, uh, whether you choose to believe it or not, it's real. I couldn't climb up on this building and say, you know what, I just, gravity, I just choose not to believe in gravity. It doesn't connect with me. I don't, I just, I think so. I can jump off of here because I don't believe in, that's not how it works. And it's the same thing in scripture. Oh, I believe a little bit of this of the Bible and a little bit of this of the Bible. And because I choose not to believe that, that's not going to happen. No, we believe the Bible is true. 
and everything in it is God-inspired and is true. So if it says one thing, the other thing applies. Amen? 60% of people polled by the Barnett Research don't believe the devil is real. Over 60% of people. And the tragedy in that is if they don't believe that he's real, then to me it tells me that they're not living their life in a way that they're on guard or they're prepared enough to fend off what he's bringing against them. Somebody say that's good. You guys are so quiet today. I thought you'd be excited to come in here and talk about Satan, right? <laughs> Matthew 8, or Matthew 4, verse 8. Matthew 4, verse 8. Talking about specifically the devil. Again, the devil took him up on an exceeding... Speaking of Jesus, this is when he was tempted in the desert. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the, of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I mean, no, a symbol can't give you anything. If he's just a symbol or an idea of evil, there would be no transaction taking place between him and Jesus. Verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So if Satan's not real and he's just a symbol, then there's no conversation, no transaction taking, or Jesus should be in a loony bin because there's all this craziness taking place in conversation. But we know not only in the garden was he a snake, but here in the desert, he represents himself as a being that Jesus has conversation and possible transaction with. It's a real thing. And so for us, we need to understand it's a real thing. And, 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 and it understands what we're tempted by. Here's one key thing that I want you to catch. Satan came to Jesus saying, hey, if you do this and this and this, you'll gain this, this, and this, and this. Same thing in our life. Satan is never going to show up and all of a sudden the backseat of your car, hello, I'm Satan, and I want to do... He's going to find things that are a draw or a desire of yours, and he's going to twist those, and he's going to have these same kinds of conversations with you. Hey, if you just compromise here, and you do this here, and you cheat this here, and you do this, you'll gain this. And then our response needs to be like, Jesus, no, no, no. It is written, I'll worship God only. I'll put my life in submission to God only because I want what he has for me. Somebody say amen. Good. So he's real, number one. That's what we need to know is that it's real. And again, they've created this idea that the devil is some sort of superior or this thing or this cartoon thing. How many, you remember the angel on one side, the devil on the other side? You remember the cartoon, the devil on the one side, he's tough. He's like buff. He, you know, he's like this tough guy. And then the angel on the other side is always like this saint, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't. Should. But that's really quite the opposite. I mean, if you were to scripturally draw up the one of the two that has more power than the other, the good conscious, the good side, the God side should be the one who's buff and has the authority and has the thing. And the devil, the scripture says that when we get to heaven and, and, and we get a glimpse of what the devil looks like, we're going to say that, that's the guy who did all this. The idea of the devil is such a wimp, puny, defeated thing that it shouldn't even be this idea of, well, a lot of Christians, oh, the devil, he's after me again. Well, why are you giving him that place? He's a wimp, puny thing. Somebody say amen. So he's real, and he's a thing, and uh, we're better than him. We're bigger than him. Number two, what you believe, as I just talked about, what you believe about Satan doesn't change his existence. Uh, like I said, what I believe about gravity, if I, oh, I don't believe in it anymore, or if I literally just said, Austin, our bass player, I don't believe in him anymore. I just don't believe in him. Is he going to just shrink away? Yeah, he will. he's like, I'll leave. But uh, would he disappear? Would he maybe get up and disappear? But would he just all of a sudden be gone? No. 
because the reality is it still exists. And so a lot of times we do that. We just convince ourselves if I don't believe in it enough or if I don't focus on it or if I, it'll go away. And it's just not the truth. There is an enemy who is out to destroy your life, steal, kill, and destroy. And you have to be aware of his tactics. Number three, Satan, uh, and I know I'm going through these because I want to spend some time in prayer at the end. Number three, Satan will never reveal himself. Satan will never reveal himself. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But then notice that they called him a thief. And every good thief never reveals his or her identity. You never have a thief come to your neighborhood and knock on the door. Uh, hey, uh, just wondering where you keep the big screen TV and where you keep all the jewelry and where you keep all you know, the money and all the things. Uh, wondering where you keep all that stuff because uh, I'm interested in coming here and thieving you. Uh, a thief never reveals its identity or its tactics. And it's the same thing with the enemy. Uh, the devil's never going to show up to you or an opportunity is never going to show up and say, hey, uh, if you do this, it will destroy you. That's why it's subtle things like this. The enemy uses things like unforgiveness. And so we just let unforgiveness fester and fester and grow. And so he uses that to sneak his way. He's never going to reveal that he's thieving from your life and destroying your life in the way of unforgiveness. He'll do it in that way. And you just think you're doing your thing. You're standing up for yourself. And that unforgiveness grows and grows and grows and then eventually destroys you. That's how he thieves you in a very robbing way. Uh, think about selfishness. You know, we say, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to set out to be selfish, but he thieves you in a way of being selfish and holding on to things and, and being greedy and letting greed set in, greed of your time and greed of how you spend time with your kids or your wife and all those kinds of things. He grieves or he steals through getting you greedy and getting you selfish or uh, things like we do with gossiping and all the things we're called not to do. Uh, it's not because we, we just set out and say, today I'm going to be selfish today. No, he, he thieves those things in your heart and you don't see it. Why? Because he's a good thief. Amen? Does that make sense? Yeah. So he never reveals, hey, you do this, it's going to destroy your life. No, we subtly, he works things into our life and patterns into our life that cause us to miss out. Number four, and this is the big key for me today. Number four, you must be aware that the enemy is going to attack. You must be aware that the enemy is going to attack. It doesn't matter how you were raised, how much money's in your bank account, how many times you go to church, what city you live in, what the crime rate is, any of that kind of stuff. The enemy doesn't care. He's going to throw things at you that are going to try to destroy and tear you down and tear you apart. And he's going to do it when you don't expect it, when you don't see it. Uh, you must be aware that the enemy is going to attack. One of the greatest tragedies in American history uh, was Pearl Harbor, December 7, 1941. 2,400 people killed, 1,100 people wounded, millions of dollars in damage to our battlecraft. Why? Because we weren't aware of an attack that was going to take place. September 11, 2001, 2,900 dead, 319 firefighters, 50 police. Uh, you could go on and on about all the stories at 9-11 and the tragedy that it was. Think of the opportunities missed, the dreams that vanished that day, all those things that took place. Why? Because they weren't aware that an en enemy was going to attack. Same thing in our life. It can destroy our lives if we don't stand guard in our faith in what we believe in, in, in put first the kingdom of God. If we don't put up our defense, think how the enemy can come in and destroy our future and our destiny. Amen. 
DJ, why don't you come play as we close? I want to spend a little time in prayer, uh, of course, praying for our brothers and sisters who, again, it's a modern-day holocaust. They won't call it that, but that's what it is. It literally is Christians being killed uh, for their beliefs almost without opportunity. Um, and one, in a way, we respect them because they're standing up for Christ. They're not backing down on their word. They're standing, they're, they're modern-day martyrs. Uh, and we know that their reward will be incredible, but it doesn't have to take place. We don't have to stand by and let it happen. Like, so in a way we respect, but on the other hand, we wanna fight and we wanna defend. Because I encourage you, as painful as it's gonna be, you need to read, you need to read. You need to go home and you need to read some of the stories about what's taking place right now and the way that they're trying to defend their families and survive uh, for the things that we take for granted and uh, the things we almost disrespect on a weekly basis, what they're, what they're having to do just to be able to stand. Um, and so my, my last point is this. The enemy, the devil, always does it this way. He does it by challenging God's word or challenging the word of God. He came into the garden and he said, has God really said dot, 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 and tried to discredit what God said. He shows up in the desert when Jesus is being tempted, that whole thing, and he, and he says, hey, do this. And, and, God, and Jesus' response was, no, no, I'm gonna stay committed to what? The word of God. The word of God says I shall live by and live only by, okay? He always is gonna come and get you to question the word of God. Did God really say, has God really encouraged me to do that? Is God, the enemy's gonna always try to get you to split it or manipulate it. Why do you think right now, when our nation, when our world has the largest population ever, obviously, uh, all these things that it has, it has the most technology to be able to spread the gospel ever. When we talk about in the last days, we can spread the, the news of God just like that, just that quick. Why do you think the enemy right now is trying his hardest to discredit the Bible? You have scientists and all these crazies coming out trying to prove the Bible as false and not real and it never happened. Why? Because if he can come against the word of God, then he's had his way. And so the enemy's always gonna come against the word of God and we have to defend it. We have to defend what we believe in our relationship. So my closing and my encouragement to you is this. Every day, whether it be the Bible, a devotional, your worship, put on some worship music, get an eight CD, whatever it is, you have to wake up, you have to get up, you have to have points in your day where you're saying, today, no dice, devil, no dice, enemy. You're not coming against me. You're not gonna get in my thinking. Like, right, we all battle that. You're not gonna get in my thinking, you're not gonna get in my attitude. I'm gonna fight for my community. I'm gonna fight. So when you hear that clip on the news, you don't just go, oh, this world's going to hell. You, you get up and you say, we're taking this world to heaven and you just pray over those things. So we have to defend, we have to fight. Ephesians 6, 10, 18, it's a lot of reading, but I'll go through it. Talks about how we're supposed to, we're called to put on the armor of God. And it's not obviously a thing that we go put on. I don't have armor out there for you to buy on your way out. It's an idea here that we have to do. Every day, it's this idea of we have to put on our armor, we have to defend against the schemes. And uh, it says this in Ephesians 6.10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the mighty power. 
put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes because those schemes come every day. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood or it's not against people and, you know, uh, co-workers and all that. It's, it's not that. It's not against flesh and blood. So it says it's not against flesh and blood, against, but against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's so much more going on than what you know. Your little worldview is not the worldview. Amen? So it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Stop there. There's, uh, there's some of you that have stood firm and like you're tired. Like you're just like, oh, I've stood firm. But the scripture says, when, you do all you, when you've done all you need to do, it says stand firm. Would, let me back up. Uh, so put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. So you've done all that you can do to stand, stand firm after that. Just stay standing firm. Some of us were so quick to like run. God's, God's left me. He's not with me. This was the wrong decision. I can't do it. Not only stand, but stand firm. Like just hold on, stand a little bit firmer because it's gonna happen for you. It's gonna work. The marriage can make it. The kids will work out. It's going to happen. The resources will come. You will get the job promotion. The bank account will get where it needs to be. If you stand and stand firm on top of that, somebody say amen. So I don't know who that's for, but that's what I was feeling. So stand firm. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You need to know the truth. To be able to do this, you need to know the truth. With the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, obviously it's not talking about flaming arrows. It's talking about the misconceptions and all the things that the enemy tries to hit you with. You're not good enough. You never will be good enough. You can't do that. You won't do that. You shouldn't do. All of those flaming things are what it's saying. Use your faith to defend against those. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Then it says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We're all called to be praying with each other. And I love that it says this, be praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. My day is filled. So should yours be filled with all kinds of prayers and requests. Sometimes it's really focused with like music on and, and, and so I'm like really focused and in the prayer zone. Sometimes it's random, like, oh God, that, that's rough for them. I'm bummed out that that happened to them. Pray grace for them. It's a small prayer. All kinds of prayers and requests we should pray throughout the day. First Peter 5, 8, and 9. It says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It's not enough for us to live come what may. 
oh, I hope the kids turn out. Oh, I hope the thing that... No, you have to stand and fight and stand firm and defend every day against the schemes of the enemy. And then together we're in it. Yeah, there's going to be days of suffering. I can't explain why God hasn't put a million angels up on that mountain to defend. I don't know. Just being honest, I don't know. I don't know why he can't, you know, why this, that, and standing in the gap. And I could debate it with you from a theology standpoint and give you all these answers. But I know this, we are called every day to stand firm in our faith and defend and fight for our families and fight for our relationship with God. And the scripture says that, that he'll be with us. So I don't know what it's like for them, but my, my prayer is that God is with them in their suffering, that God is with them. Maybe when they're taking a stand and they're, and they're not backing down, I don't know what they're experiencing right now in the realm of God, but we're gonna pray for them and we're gonna stand with them. But my encouragement to you is that there's a real enemy who hates you and tries to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And we have to live in a way that we're saying, it's not gonna happen here. Amen? It's not gonna happen in my life because Christ came and defeated. And that's why we sing it. And that's why we worship it. And that's why all that stuff is because he is overcome. We don't have to let it affect us. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? When I'm done praying, our prayer team is going to be up here. And if you have any kind of prayer uh, or you want to continue praying uh, with, with the prayer team, they'll be up here as soon as I'm done praying. Uh, but also want to encourage you, you know, if, you're, if your kids are up in kids' class and, and maybe they need prayer or anything like that, uh, we're always up here and, and we love to be praying. So keep that in mind. But also, if you're here and, and you say, man, I... I need to understand, or I understand today that there's an enemy who hates me and, and is not for me. If you want to pray the prayer of salvation or take a decision, make a step today to be a Christ follower, to, to ask him to be a part of your life, that prayer team is going to pray with you too. Um, they can walk you through all that. They love you. They're for you. They're not going to embarrass you or make you go to any class or anything like that. They're just going to simply pray with you. And uh, so I encourage you to do that with the prayer team. They'll have a lanyard on. They'll be right up here. But for the rest of us, let's take a minute and just pray for what's taking place in Iraq and, and, and with uh, the terrorist group. Uh, we believe that we can make a difference in prayer. Uh, intercessory prayer like this, where we all come together and we just intercess on behalf of them. Another thing I'm gonna ask you to do is if you go on the Vertical Church website, uh, if you go on our Facebook, uh, which you can get to through our, our website, you're going to see our latest post that we put up is a petition to Congress to send more aid. Uh, all you have to do is go on there, put in your name, your zip code, and an email address. They'll send you a link to your email address. You click that and you've confirmed that you're, you know, that you're a, a real person petitioning. And so what we're asking is that that we do more as a country to send aid right now to those trapped on the mountain and run out of their country. And so it's not a big political thing. I'm not asking you to choose sides or anything like that. If you believe in helping people and especially the kids, uh, all you have to do is go on there and sign that petition. Uh, 60,000 people on there uh, will get an act. They'll act on it. And I think the last time I checked yesterday, it was at like 40,000 people. So it literally takes less than two minutes, but shame on you if you're even counting the time. Somebody say amen. Uh, so go fill out that petition and, uh, and hopefully we can see God move uh, from the United States. Amen. So let's pray. God, we, we love you. 
And Lord, we know that your word says that perfect love casts out all fear. God, I, I can't even imagine the feeling or the scenarios that are taking place, God, not only there, but anywhere in the country that you're persecuted. But God, I just pray that that perfect love cast out all fear. God, we know that you've moved supernaturally to meet the need of people who follow you. So God, whatever resources are needed, clean drinking water, food, whatever it takes, Lord, to meet your people. Lord, we ask that you do that. Strategically, God, wherever they have to move to, to stay safe and to to meet the people that they need to meet or to get help, God, we ask that you position them properly. Lord, we ask that their time together uh, be filled with your presence. God, we, we don't understand. We can't even begin to comprehend why or how it makes sense. But God, we know that you see it better than we see it. So Lord, through your grace and through your sovereign hand, God, I ask as a church, Lord, we ask that you move mightily. Lord, we know that you hear our prayers and we know that you see. And God, we know that the word says we can ask for wisdom, that you'll give wisdom. And so Lord, every situation and scenario, God, we pray that you give the right people wisdom and you give the right people provision. God, we also know that the word says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So Lord, any tactic, any weapon, any defense, Lord, that's trying to come against your people, Lord, we say it'll come to naught. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for it. God, help us to, to keep everyone on our hearts. Keep us praying. Lord, let us not be selfish. Lord, let us just keep what you're doing here on this earth in front of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody.